0: Friend says, hey, just so you know, those, those disc brakes are going to grab. I say, okay. <laughs> Grabbed a fistful of that front brake and right over the handlebars I went.
1: Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action.
2: Welcome, everyone, today to Stand Up Pedal Action. We have another treat for you. Uh, another good friend of mine. <laughs> We've met over the past few years in the high school mountain biking world. This is uh, Eric Drummond. He is the head coach of the Highlanders composite mountain biking team for high school here in Colorado Springs. And also the mountain bike lead for the Front Rangers Cycling Club, also in Colorado Springs. And he... Has a side gig as an engineer. I would say (laughs) day job. (laughs) Oh, is that what we call it these days? Uh, And night job. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.
3: Uh,
2: Excited to be here. Good. Good. Uh, To start things off, I'd love to hear where you came from, how you got to be where you are now. You got some time. We got a little
0: time. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're here for. So I am actually. A Colorado native. You probably don't hear that a whole lot anymore, but we I am. do not. Um, fifth generation.
2: My goodness, fifth. Okay, you settled this place <laughs>
0: <laughs> somewhere in my in my DNA. Yep. Um, however, when I was or six, uh, family moved to Wyoming. Uh, dad moved for work, and we moved to middle of nowhere between Cheyenne and Laramie probably heard of a little area called Kurt Gatti State Park. Mm. Some fabulous riding up there now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there when I was there, but I uh, grew up basically across the, across the highway from that um, and uh, went to a little tiny country school. Kindergarten through sixth grade was 45 kids. Oh, wow. The whole school. Yep. All right. So now you're kind of seeing why I really don't like to be around people. i I didn't grow up around people yeah (laughs) yeah
2: you find yourself around people yeah
0: it's it's weird um and then uh, so i was i was there all through high school um however my my goal my whole passion were trucks and automobile i wanted i wanted to work on trucks at general motors you know ever since i was a little kid that was my goal so college Went to Michigan because um, yeah, Big where Ten the auto represents. Is, right? Yeah.
1: University of Michigan? New. Oh.
0: Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech. All right. Because I want to be as far away from people as possible. Oh, oh, right. But yet still in the state where I could, where the automotive <laughs> industry was recruiting. <laughs> ah. Okay. So, yeah, that's <laughs> so about. Michigan Tech. If you're familiar with the UP at all?
1: I am. I was just going to say, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's, yeah. UP. Yeah. it's so... the upper peninsula for us.
0: Oh, right. If you Coloradans the high who don't side know. of the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Versus under the bridge. The, the part trolls. that's yep. the trolls <laughs> under the bridge. Right.
1: You're not part of the mitten, though. You can't like just hold your hand up and point to where you are.
0: No, we are part of that <laughs> finger. And the is up here. I realize you can't see on the podcast. <clears throat> yeah, nobody can but, see. Um, there was there was a lot high. of fingers
1: involved and pointing at awkward <laughs> gestures that kind yeah. of look like gang signs. So
0: uh so I got out of school. Mm-hmm. Went to work for General Motors. Uh, I really didn't like it. <laughs> didn't so, like, I, didn't, I, it was, I ended up in a plant in mm-hmm. Flint, Michigan, um, a stamping plant that made parts for the trucks. So I was a little bit of a step toward where I wanted to go, but it wasn't quite uh, the path. So eventually I was able to then get into, um, oh, I, my background engineering, as I think mm-hmm. you mentioned. Mm. Um, so what sort of engineering, um, I have a mechanical engineering bachelors and a metallurgical engineering bachelors and an engineering management masters.
1: Okay.
2: So a double bachelor and a master.
1: So there's a, I mean, I guess when you're going to school where there's no people, there's nothing else to do, but just stack up some degrees
0: and, and or shovel snow up there. There's okay. a lot of that too. Yeah. sounds like the degrees <laughs> would be better than <laughs> snow shoveling. <laughs> All right. So
1: you go, you go to school. Here comes the dream. I'm going to work where I wanted. Oh, wait, not what I thought it was going to be. It
0: wasn't quite, and I tried to move around to seize opportunities with NGM, and it really wasn't successful. Um, So I ended up getting over to Warner, doing powertrain, four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive design development, um, which was much more along the lines of my passion and my hobby because I was heavy into four-wheeling. Okay. And uh so spent some time at Borg Warner and uh but I missed my I missed the mountains. Mm, yeah. Really missed Colorado. As one does. And the mountains. And Michigan doesn't have a lot of mountains. I also don't really like heat or humidity.
3: Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah.
0: Also some strong points for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had an opportunity uh and Oh, while I was at BorgWarner, I had one of the coolest jobs. I got to be a test driver. Ooh. So um, you're probably starting to connect some dots here. How love of four-wheeling, doing some mud drags, getting into, you know, the four-wheeling, the test driving. You kind of see how that's influenced my biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so (laughs) we're gonna get into that here in a bit for those of you who don't know how he rides (laughs) um mind you at this time i was not into biking i wasn't
1: on the radar at all
0: i when i graduated from college i had purchased a mountain bike was it 95 96 so we're we're just gonna put air quotes around that mountain bike yes (laughs) it was it was you know a hard it was fully rigid Uh it was a gravel bike
1: yeah, it was it was a today's gravel bike. Today's
0: gravel bike, great. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming back. Um, but I, I did have to modify it. I did put a fork on it. You know, a, f- a front oh, fork boy. shock Manitou. Uh, it was. Yeah, yeah. And to uh, say
1: you didn't have a lot of other options at that point.
0: So I I th- sort of got into riding while we were in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course that's like riding where the area where I would ride was not much different than Chamberlain.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and i felt pretty good about those trails you know? mm. oh the, yeah a big ride was you know like eight or 12 miles and you, and <laughs>
1: yeah just this last summer i was back in the midwest and i was spending some time around uh, south bend kind of that northern Ooh. indiana southern yep. michigan area and whereas here i can ride limitless amounts of trail from the house basically you can in many places in the front range there i decided one day i was going to see how many miles of trail i could ride in one day And I managed 30 and I drove 200 miles to do it (laughs) (laughs) because I would go to every little state park, ride their five mile loop, and then go to the next one and ride their five mile loop and just keep going all day.
0: Yep. Yeah. This place where where I would go is sort of like a little snowman, you know, four mile, eight mile, 12 mile.
1: You just had your three little loops and that was it.
0: That was it. And I felt pretty good when I worked up to that third loop. Oh yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Big stuff. You know, and then we moved out here. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, my wife and I said, hey, let's ride our bikes down to get the mail. And it was literally down yeah. to get the mail, which meant that two miles back to the house, we walked. A long no. drive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you walk,
0: <laughs>
1: taking, a, taking your bike for a walk. Yeah. yeah. We,
0: we pretty much walked most of the way back to the house, hung up my bike probably... I don't know, for about 12 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, so this was one time to get the mail. This wasn't like a repeated a- oh, attempt no, at one like, time.
0: See, some things I'm a fast learner. That I learned pretty fast that time yeah. that, well, this mountain biking out here isn't any fun. <laughs> that was my thought at the time. <laughs> right. Besides, I just about finished my rock crawler.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so you had some other stuff going on. When I that
0: you that built done, from the ground up. That I built from the ground up, yes. Why ride the bike when I've got 400 horsepower to get me where I want to go?
1: <laughs> and when you say ground up, like was this like pipe chassis or like Didn't pipe do frame? A pipe
0: chassis. I did. Okay. I did find a frame. Okay. And I did everything. From what that. was it? It was a Jeep CJ7. Okay. All right. Uh, put a fiberglass tub on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did all my own fabrication. Um, uh, did a crate engine, um, and then uh, but I built built my own suspension um kept it simple um mm-hmm. but built my own axles and uh all the the rock guards my cage which unfortunately i used um, <laughs> <laughs> but was it awesome fortunately the cage worked okay there we go yeah <laughs> um, yeah yep. and uh um and then i came up and I, I did my own through junkyard did my own fuel injection came oh, up wow. with worked with my buddies on we did, figured out how to do our own uh, hydraulic assist steering and things like that. So, I mean, it, this was my passion.
1: And time frame here, where, where are we at?
0: Well, it got done in 2000. Okay. is when I finished the build for mm-hmm. that, 2001. And then-
1: Mountain bikes were garbage then, so you weren't missing anything.
0: It was hanging on the wall, collecting dust. Yep. Um, and really didn't come back into mountain biking until about eight years ago. So what brought you back?
2: Well, I I heard a little bit about this. Oh, really, (laughs) Josh? Uh, Yeah. I heard that once upon a time, one of your daughters pointed up at a bike on the wall and said, is this yours? I've never seen you use this before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there were two bikes hanging on the wall. And her question was basically, which one is yours? I've never seen you ride it. Yeah. and. At that time, I was still in the rock crawling. I'm like, you're right. You haven't. Want to go for a ride? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go four wheeling. <laughs> um, but we have always made an effort to have the kids in bikes. Mm-hmm. Once we, you know, as they were, you know, getting up, you know, they had the, the training wheels because this was pre Strider. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm Back a little, in the day. I'm a little older. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Okay. Yeah. And, uh. Uh, so the, the girls had always, we'd always had an effort to have them in bikes and we'd walk along the driveway and next to them and whatnot. Um, and then, um, of course, when Hannah made that comment, we said, okay, I'll, I'll take it off and dust it off and, and we, we can try riding. And so we'd, we'd take them down to the Centennial Trail in Woodland Park, uh, which is a nice little paved path next to Highway 67. And, uh, you just kind of ride with them there. And then, um, I had a friend one time, not long after that, say, Hey, let's go do a, a lap of Rampart. How
1: bad could it be? Oh,
0: I think it took me four hours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to go 13 miles. It was rough. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and I thought, man, this. Hey, once again, I'm thinking, well, this mountain biking, I don't know. This may not be for me.
1: <laughs> okay. You're, so you're on the trail thinking about whether or not the bike is going back on the garage ceiling or just straight to the dumpster.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then uh, my dad had a full suspension specialized mm. that he wasn't riding at the time.
1: So, the old uh, FSR so stump old FSR, jump jumper. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: I got on that and I thought, Oh well, this was actually kind of nice. So my old bike had, at that point, you know, caliper brakes, rear yeah. brake was pretty much, didn't work. So I relied a lot on the front. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know where this is going. There's nowhere that you know could exactly bad. exactly where this that is could, going.
1: There's no way that could end bad.
0: No, I mean, and and I had kind of, you know, the, the, the little bit that I rode that bike with the girls, I had it figured out.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, Get on my dad's bike, and my friend says, Hey, just so you know, those, those disc brakes are going to grab. So, okay. <laughs> so, we're tooling along, coming down a hill, one of the you know, going through one of the sections, you're going to do a left turn. I need to slow down. Didn't even think about using my rear brake because I just never have. It's not part of my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Grabbed a fistful of that front brake and right over the handlebars. I went, that bike stopped, <laughs> which was a whole new experience. <laughs> and my friend was laughing. Then he checked to make sure I was okay. Normally right. you're supposed to check first and then laugh. I don't know. In mountain biking,
1: I'm pretty sure the laughing usually comes first. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, after after riding that bike a couple times, I was starting to get kind of hooked. From the standpoint, well, this is actually kind of fun. And then writing more and more with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mind you, Hannah was starting to get a little bit more into it. Mm. And so I started helping with the middle school club because they, they needed parents. They had one teacher and, you know, like 15 kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I'm going to be, I needed to be there for Hannah anyway. and. So at 12 years old, when I say be there for Hannah with Hannah, I wasn't. She was out riding me then. <laughs> <laughs> so you meant drive her there? Yeah, I had to drive yeah. her there and then wait. So I might as well yeah. try to ride and and start working with you know. And as I started getting better too, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and so that was kind of really I was starting to get into it and really starting to enjoy it. And then my dad wanted his bike back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> decision time <laughs> I'm like, oh but he said but his cousin was about to sell his bike i i reached out and uh so it was a 2007 santa cruz blur lt Ooh,
1: that's and a that's very right. lustworthy bike at the time it came out
0: i bought that from him and that took it up a next notch of, of enjoyment mm-hmm. I'm like wow man this is this is even more fun enjoying this. And, and, uh, um, so it just kept going. And then we finished, finished, uh, Hannah got out of middle school and went into the high school then. And our neighbor, uh, Ethan Cephas had been trying to get, he's the one that got her into the middle school club. And he's like, Hey, you should try, try racing, try racing. And, uh, She's like, ah, I don't know. And she decided, well, I'll go to the, I'll go, I'll sign up for Highlanders and, and I'll go to the first practice. But dad, I'm not going to know anybody. Can, can you come with me? Hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and this is back when Highlanders was really, it was pretty small too. And, and they had coach Paul. And then at that point, uh, also coach Nate, who's, he's not, he moved. But um, so I show up to the first practice and Paul says that I can, I can ride with them. Um and I think when he when he said with he was actually thinking <laughs> I'd be able to keep up. <laughs> and this did not occur. It did not. No, first practice um they they'd wait for me at the top of the hill and I'd get up there and Paul would look back and go, "You good?" And I'm like, oh, "Yeah, I'm good." <laughs> and and we take off again. Yeah. And um that was uh That was kind of the spark. I mean, Hannah realized that she was a good rider. She wasn't last. And she's like, Dad, these are my people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I I spent that first season trying to get better and rode caboose a lot.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is an interesting entry into cycling because usually the stories that we hear are people who had their own interests and you know, active career, whether it's just completely amateur or professional mm-hmm. in cycling. And then eventually kids into the picture and you have to figure out like, all right, well, I'm going to keep riding. How do I fit being a parent into this? Whereas this was entirely the opposite for you. Like I'm a parent. That's fine. And now this riding thing comes along.
0: Right. <laughs> Dragged into it by the kids.
1: Yeah. You know, the kids. And, mm-hmm.
0: and what's really neat is then, uh, you know, Hannah's younger sister, Elise got into it. And my wife enjoys writing. So, I mean, it's now turned into a, a family event. And, you know, you're probably thinking, well, what happened to the rock crawling? Your, your first child. <laughs> my yeah, first yeah. child. Which, first, yeah. Which was, I mean, that was the first child. The, before children came to the picture, the kind of the agreement was that had to be done. Oh, I had, you had oh, to finish the crawler. I had to finish it before children oh, came into the picture. I okay. had a lot of friends that... Kids came and the project disappeared. Ah. And by disappeared, you meant Was stayed sold. in the garage. Either sold oh. or just yeah. stopped. I had gotten a little extreme in the rock crawling to where the family no longer wanted to go.
1: Is this before or after you tested your roll
0: cage? The, the extreme part of it came before I tested it. They, <laughs> but. I speaking had,
1: of this testing euphemistically right here, <laughs> yes. I'm um, digging for this story. I want to know how far this went.
0: <laughs> um, but they had kind of stopped going for a while. And then as we, mm-hmm. as the biking became a little bit more of a, of a thing for us, I kind of realized like, well, this is starting now. This is collecting the dust mm. and it was too expensive. Yeah. I mean, once I mean, I mean,
1: people think bikes are expensive, but if you take a truck out in the woods and break it every time that adds up.
2: It's like buying a new bike every time you break it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it it became that that was was collecting the dust. Um, It was the kid, you know, a a weekend for me to go do that was just me and my my buddies. It was no longer Mm -hmm. a family event like it used to be. Um, And I had had the one rollover, which I got lucky on. And then I had another instance that got close.
1: Do we get to hear the story of the rollover?
0: It's, it's not super spectacular, but i I'd be happy to share it. Um, <laughs> uh, it was the type of thing where we're on the side of a hill going along. A, where, where are we at? Are we in, uh, here in
1: Colorado, or this is, is out Moab? towards Guffey. Okay, this out is Guffey. Guffey. Yeah, um,
0: I've been. You know, we, we've been Moab and mm-hmm, all these other places. All the places, yeah. But this was just in Guffey. Just uh, at one of our members, he had a big. A lot of property out there, and we had an outing, and we were just four wheeling on this trail, kind of that he had, and it goes along the side of a hill, but there's kind of a flat spot that we're going along, and then you turn right and you climb up these rocks, and you know the hill kind of drops off behind you, and it goes up in front of you, and so I was going up, and I lost it on that obstacle, and so the jeep. Fell sideways, and I did a barrel roll across onto the flat, across the flat, and I stopped on the edge. Oh. And, the, and the jeep started to go, and then came back down.
1: Oh! And, and how far and, down would it have been if it had so kept going? it Wasn't
0: if I had gone, I would have gone into probably about probably about a three hundred yard just yard sale.
1: Oh my
0: gosh! And. Uh, So that was a little bit of a an eye opening going, whew. That probably wouldn't have ended well. My cage would have held together.
1: But yeah. (laughs) I was
0: pretty confident of that. (laughs) (laughs) Always good to be confident in the engineering. Uh, But I'm but I'm not, you know. Yeah, you go into something like that because it just would have just so I started toning it down a little bit after that, but then, you know, as with anything, you know, you crash in a mountain bike, you're, you're tentative for a little while and then you start ramping yep. back up again. Mm-hmm. So I started ramping back up again. Okay. And then, uh.
1: Then what was the second scare? Uh,
0: about two years later, I was on Carnage Canyon up in Buena Vista and on the exit and the exit is nasty. And, uh, with my super short wheelbase, I can't do both ledges. Okay. Because I'll go over backwards. Oh and, wow. And at that time, I mean, even the ledges were we're talking three and a half foot steps. Mm-hmm. And so I got up the first one, hooked up the winch. The Jeep was and was pulling. I was pulling off of another Jeep in front of me off of his winch because mine had died in an earlier obstacle.
1: <laughs> Oops.
0: And so I'm hanging, 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 and his winch mount breaks. And oh. so I go back into a free fall back, which is going to go back down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lucky in the right side of my Jeep, fell into a kind of a wedge. Mm-hmm. And I got wedged in instead of going over backwards and then down the hill. Mm. Um, that one actually shook me up pretty badly. Um, my buddy had to drive out because I was done. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Else Just can drive hands it out. off. <laughs> we're I, out of I, this. I driving; my legs were shaking, and uh, so, right. so so we're yeah. we're about
1: to hit our second unexpected point in the interview. First, that your kids got you into biking instead of the other way around. The second <laughs> that you decided to pick up mountain biking because it was safer than what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> not a common story
0: there's a little irony in that <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> for, the, for those who can't see he just put his thumb up having just recently dislocated it
0: <laughs> yes yeah, so, yeah i picked up mountain biking because it was a lower risk activity than what i was doing <laughs> um
1: <laughs> all right so we've got you to that point where both the girls are riding yep. we're gonna put four wheeling on the back burner yep. and say mountain biking is now a thing
0: and and not only that, I sold the crawler to buy our first set of nicer bikes. Okay. Uh, wow. So that was like full in.
2: That's dedication. Did you have a ceremony or something to let go of the first
0: child? It was pretty sad watching it drive out the driveway. No. Mm. It was... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That was emotional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything if
1: you build, anything that you build with your own hands that then later makes an attempt or two to kill you, I suppose you're going to bond with it.
0: <laughs> That's right. We, we had a special bond.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe not a trusting one, but <laughs> <laughs> many people get involved or brush up against their kids' sports. And every now and then, some of those moms and dads get hooked in for real. And it sounds like you were in that category. So what was that process like?
0: So getting involved in the sport was, to an extent, in general, pretty easy for me. I had been the kid's soccer coach when they were younger before they, before they switched. Um, just because it was, if I'm going to be there, I might as well help. <laughs> um, and then, so the process of getting involved more as a, as a coach and such in the, in the Highlanders was... I was really enjoying the writing. I had really um, become really almost addicted to it from, from my standpoint. I, mm. from, I just It replaced the rock crawling from the standpoint of the personal challenge. I, yeah. I loved that aspect about it and trying to get better. and Because and, when I got into mountain, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty bad. Not, <laughs> not that I'm a star now, um, but... Um, I was out of shape, um, just endurance wise, um, I was quite a bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first getting into it initially was pretty much, you know, it was miserable. It wasn't, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from the coaching aspect, that part was really fun. Um, and not that I was really doing much coaching the first two years, I was more just a caboose and absorbing. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer, if you want to be better, you surround yourself by people that are better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that are going to demoralize you better, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right, right. It can be motivating sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. From experience. Um, this is but, why I ride with Josh, to be demoralized.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but ones that will also enjoy help bringing you along yep. and, and don't mind your questions. Well, mm-hmm. well, why did you approach it that way? Or, you know, because I asked a lot of questions because I like to, it's that engineering mind. I want to dig mm-hmm. in. Why? Yeah. What was your thought process? Why did you do it this way?
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: things like that. And then, so I surrounded myself by those types of people and that as a result, I started getting better and, and just really enjoying it. Um, still not much of a coach per se to the kids other than just being there for support um, because unless they haven't been on a bike before they probably were better than me <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's just set the bar right where it be honest about where that bar is set that's right yeah okay
0: um, and then um, I just got more and more involved with the Highlanders and, and, and then uh, kind of found out through an email that I was head coach <laughs> <I> oh <don't> really <laughs> wait a minute (laughs) was that just like nose goes or something
1: like that like everyone just backed away and you were the last one to find out
0: no so i as i was getting more and more involved just kind of helping paul and and such and uh and he had thrown out there that hey i'm committing so many more years to the team need a succession Mm -hmm. um apparently nobody stepped up um and uh but and he had asked me about it and I'm like, eh, I'm not really qualified to be a head coach. I I don't know enough about biking. I can't keep up with, you know, half the team. And and he'd say, you know, that's okay. You don't have to. You know, you, you find people and you, you develop that. And I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. And then um, three years ago, there was an email that he sent to Kate Rao, the director of the league. And I was copied on it and it said, Eric Drummond's the new head coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, oh. this is even
1: better. This wasn't an email to you telling you no. you were a coach. Oh, this no. was an email telling the world that you were the head coach. Yes.
0: So that's how I found out. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> Way
0: to go, Paul. <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> and, amazing. Um,
0: fortunately, we laugh about it. And I said, okay, because I never say no to anything, when it's, especially when it's direct like that. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. Um, And so, at, of course, at that point, now the expectations that I put on myself increased dramatically because now I'm no longer a caboose or, you know, the parent helping set up pit zone. I'm now responsible for the team and these kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so the first thing you do is make sure you're surrounded by people that are going to be positive influences on these kids and that can be the coach at at various levels um and so that's that's kind of how that
1: yeah so one of the things that i would love to hear from you is what your take is on coaching in two very different styles of kids sports one being the relatively button down world of soccer where all the kids have to stay in these little white lines there's a bunch of drills that you run like they all stay here where you can see them (laughs) and then there's mountain biking we're out in the woods. We've got wildly different abilities. We've got kids that could be literally miles apart if the slow kids and the fast kids are on the same ride. It's, and the people that you are recruiting don't just have to stand there with a whistle and point. They have to perform to be able to keep these kids safe and wrangled out there on the trails sometimes. So talk to me a little more about like the Defin- difference between those definitely two.
0: Definitely big differences. You're right. I mean, soccer is... And I, and I grew up playing soccer. So mm-hmm. I was as a as a coach, I was familiar. Um, yeah. Now, I wasn't that great at soccer, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to me, I think, and that's what the important part was is, um, you know, I, I grew up playing, loved playing, come in, be the kid's coach. I was so excited. The kids wanted to do soccer. I'm like, Oh, sweet. I can help. I can be a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't ask me to show them anything fancy or good. Um, My my claim to fame to soccer was I was accurate and I could kick the ball really hard. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wasn't fast. I didn't have fancy footwork, but I could pass (laughs) and it would go where it needed to go and I could shoot. There you go. That was was my strength. So that's what I brought into the coaching. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then of course, a little bit of that structure and the rules Mm -hmm. and trying to make sure that you include everybody. and. And, and my philosophy there is very similar still into the mountain biking is it still has to be fun. Um, so then you switch into the mountain biking where you still focus on fun. However, you're also able to really get the kids at their level and, and address each kid's needs. And you get to see this one, this one gets over this obstacle or this one can, you know, do this downhill or do this jump or, you know, makes a little bit faster on this climb and you can address each one and each one can be successful. And as each kid is successful, the team also becomes even more successful. Mm. The kids have a lot more, I think, control in their improvement Mm -hmm. and their, as they progress. Um, and one of the things I like just so much about the mountain biking is unlike soccer, because I spent a lot of time on the bench. Yeah. And <laughs> mountain biking, everybody plays.
1: Yeah. There's no bench.
0: There's no bench. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. And, and seeing, seeing the joy and the, and what happens when somebody clears it, it's just, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> what well, it,
2: it builds too cuz one clears it and then helps guide the others and another kid will clear a different obstacle and help guide everyone and it's just oh
0: and and the camaraderie that that you see so much um, I think in the mountain biking versus what I used to see in the, in the you know, I just I'll just pick on soccer cuz that's the sport I was involved in is way different. Just the the um you know the support between I mean the kids other teams, um, it's just—I don't know—it's just pretty neat. And I found that, you know, I can see why when Hannah switched from soccer to mountain biking and said, "Hey, these these are my people. I found my peeps." Yeah. Um, I get it.
1: Yeah. How do you balance <laughs> as a coach? How do you balance the desire to push the kids and see them succeed and push their own boundaries? Versus knowing that you are in a sport that is somewhat inherently risky, perhaps to a degree that other Mm -hmm. more
0: organized, quote unquote, sports aren't. Um, I I will never try to guilt or pressure anybody into doing anything they don't want to. Mm -hmm. I mean, for starters, you're asking for accidents there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I will let them know if I think they can do it. Yep. And if they want to try it, great if they don't maybe next time so that's part of it um Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that we really stress on the team is is no peer pressure you know i don't want kids trying to goad each other into trying something because if they're not ready you're asking for an accident um not that accidents may not happen anyway if they think they're ready but I've i've had kids say hey do you think i can do that and i'm like maybe not yet. let's work on a little bit smaller of a drop first and then we can work our way up to that yeah um i've i'm actually believe it or not i actually err more on the risk more risk adverse side for the kids and try to taper them back a little bit versus yeah go for it um <laughs> if if i don't if i'm unsure yeah um so because it nothing, nothing's more of a bummer than returning a broken kid to a parent after practice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here, sorry, I broke your son and/or daughter. Yeah,
0: um, and sometimes it can't be helped. I mean, it is inherently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like my crashes were on purpose, <laughs> 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 um, but um, accidents do happen. But we do try to avoid them, and I and I always, you know, we try to foster a little bit of the challenge to get better but i think you also have to do it with reasonable steps you're not going to go from a six inch drop to a three foot drop mm-hmm. well
1: you should No, some of us do i'm not <laughs> saying it's a good idea it's been done
0: but it has been done and i'm sure people have done it successfully
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but that's where with the kids I, again i i tend to Air more on the reserved and cautious side. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great to hear. Um, <laughs> I mean, okay, Josh, you've, you've seen it. I've, I've, I've tapered people, you know, no, I don't think you should be doing that. No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about we
2: don't do that trail today? <laughs> no, it, it is wise. And, you know, risk is, it's a part of the sport. And I think it's you know, part of the learning process is, mm-hmm facing a few falls here and there but overall we try to avoid those injuries
0: we do and and i think you're going to fall and you have to expect to fall mm-hmm. that's a little bit of i mean if you're pushing yourself to an extent mm-hmm. it's gonna happen breeds resiliency <laughs> <laughs> or hospital stays josh <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm not, I'm not anti-crash, anti-fall, you yeah. know? if you're, if you're going to approach it as I'm never going to try anything because I don't want to fall, that's, that's being too risk adverse, but there's, you know, the, the penalty of failure in this thing isn't worth it.
2: Yeah.
1: Being it's, able- it's,
0: it's risk assessment.
1: So is that part of what you feel like your role as a coach is, is teaching these kids how to do that for themselves? and how to let them sort of give them some guidelines to safely approach the point where they have to make the decision, should I or shouldn't I?
0: Ideally, because we can't shepherd everything. um, Mm -hmm. And they also have to learn from their decisions. Yeah. (laughs) And we we
1: mountain bikers do that a
2: lot. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Often the hard way. It's a microcosm Uh, of life right here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's so great.
1: (laughs) So one of the things that I think is really interesting is, you know, Youth cycling as an organized sport is obviously growing tremendously right now mm. because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the team structures that we have now and the, the scope of the events just absolutely didn't exist. Correct? Correct. One of the things I've been interested to, you know, as we were prepping for this interview, I was thinking about this. Um, one of the things I hear a lot is that the teams like, or, and clubs like Front Rangers, like Highlanders, that pull kids from multiple schools can tend to cut across what otherwise would have been, you know, established rivalries of one <laughs> high school hating another, always, you know, oh, we hate, you know, can't wait to beat those guys in football or whatever. And now you're suddenly pulling kids out of their environment with all their other friends, all the other teams and rivalries they might know and smash them together in one team that's conglomerated together. What do you think that's going to look like in say five or 10 years? Uh, Cause that's one of the things I, I feel like I've seen in my, scant exposure to youth cycling is that that's one of the things that helps foster that sense of community and you know you're just running around hanging out seeing ever all your friends between laps at a race mm-hmm. it doesn't feel competitive until you're on the course do you see that as an attitude that's going to continue or as it gets more popular and teams start like high schools have enough kids to start their own team is this going to go the way other sports go
0: i really hope not Um, I can't speak to the other metropolitan areas, Mm -hmm. uh, in the Springs we have, I mean, we do have some schools that are specifically, you know, we've got Cheyenne mountain,
3: Mm.
0: Manitou, um, Woodland park, uh, air Academy, you know, so we've, we've got teams that are specifically tied to the schools as, as school clubs, Highlanders. Um, from that standpoint, exactly. We're pulling from all these other schools. Um, And even though those other teams have, um, their own, or those, those other schools or their own teams, we still don't have that. Oh, yeah, we hate Cheyenne mountain. Um, (laughs) there's still a lot of that partnership because these kids still, you know, they might have ridden together as, and front Rangers or whatnot, or even at the races, it's still not necessarily one school against another at least when I talk about the spring schools areas, these kids all, it's almost as if it's just one big team from that aspect, mm-hmm. from the camaraderie. I mean, they go to each other's tents. They're giving each other high fives at the start line and then at the finish line. And it's, it goes across the teams and across the schools. Um, obviously, I think as this becomes more and more popular, I think composite teams will become a smaller and smaller um, aspect of it yeah. um, but I, I really hope and I, and I think especially here in the springs I think it will still have that camaraderie even if we went even if composite teams went away um, I think we'll still have that here and I, I hope that continues
2: would, would you be able to just paint a brief picture of what Colorado cycling is or well, what, th- what is NICA And what is Colorado league now for someone who may not
0: know
1: what is NICA?
0: So NICA was the, um, kind of national interscholastic cycling association. Association. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, is there another C in there? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it had a purpose. Um, if you are a, uh, a young team, small team and really needing some help getting going, um, I think that purpose is really fulfilled through that organization. The Colorado League um, is not young. It's not small. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't think ever has been. Um, And really, have really, although we've been, and I can't remember, recall exactly the word, but we've been Part of NICA up to a point, um, but we really didn't benefit or need the support that that organization provides mm-hmm. a cycling league. Um, we had our own insurance. We, you know, we had our own board. We had, you know, we we did a lot of our own things. We just had to follow their rules, um, and. You know, as our league grew and the situation is different, you know, the, some of the mandates didn't necessarily make sense. So, um, personally, I think what we've done, and and we're not the only state to have done it. Um, I believe Georgia has. Um, I think Utah has or is going to. So, there are other states that are have pulled away as well. Um, because the cost-benefit wasn't there. You kind of, I'll just put it simply like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think for the most part, I challenge just about anybody that, to notice any difference in how we ran things this year versus previous years. It's identical, looks like. So it's identical without the overhead and headache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> always enough. what you're looking for <laughs> fair enough well it um, was cool to see the state grow into its own it is and and i think what there were ni- eighteen or nineteen hundred racers this year something like that just fantastic and you know what also is really cool the amount of girls getting involved yeah um
1: yeah talk about that for a second because mountain biking historically especially the gnarlier the trails get Mm-hmm kind of been a bros sport or it was for at least a long time that doesn't seem to be the case when it comes to collegiate or uh when it comes to youth cycling
0: right it's it's really neat to see especially as the dad of two daughters that got into it Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) when hannah's first year as a freshman now six years ago i think there were in the whole state 40 some girls. Wow. Freshmen
1: that were in competition. Yeah.
0: That's pretty small. I think there, I think there were 40 in our division maybe this year. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) um, So it's really growing and, and um, you know, so one of our, it's, it's just so neat to see. And I think what it does is it just, it's a sport where girls can also go out there and be, better than their peer, the, you know than their male i was just peers. gonna say
1: well the stories i've heard from both you and josh are that yeah yeah we're gonna ride with the fast kids but look out for the girls
2: <laughs> yep it's and especially it's really, on our team this year
0: <laughs> we, we had some fast girls <laughs> yeah um and it's kind of fun also when you have some new boys on the team that think they're fast and you go oh wow (laughs) maybe not and and then the same type of thing you say hey you know when we're going down this obstacle follow her because she makes good choices you know she 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 picks good lines yeah you know Mm -hmm. from that kind of standpoint i'm not the guy to follow down this (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know, and things like that, and and I've ridden with uh, you know not just the girls on our team that are better than I am, but um, other female riders, and it's fun to watch one how they approach things, um, mm-hmm. and it just I just think it's neat. I think it, it's it's something where they can boys and girls are equal, and this they have is... equal opportunity. I should say, yeah, yeah.
2: That's it's really cool to see that grow every year in the sport. Where do you where do you think the cycling world is going with the emergence of so much more youth program developing?
0: I think we're going to run out of trails. <laughs> 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 um, I think youth are. I think more and more youth are getting into it because of the the individualistic nature of it as well um they're not restricted to um you know a, a soccer or football practice is every every day after school this amount of time um and oh i can't go practice soccer or football or whatever without getting you know six more people or 12 mm-hmm. people together to go mm-hmm. to go practice and play yeah you play together um and uh it's oh, I can just go right over to the jump park for an afternoon and I can go by myself if I want, or if so and so down the street is available, I can go with them and and I think it also encourages just so much again cross school mm-hmm. um and I think more and more are getting into it. I think more and more families are pulling into it. um It's an awesome family activity i I think. It's just, I think it's going to keep growing. And at some point, schools are going to, they're going to have to accept it. I mean, mm-hmm. We're a composite because most of the schools that our kids are at aren't really interested in supporting it. Yeah. And I think at some point, schools are going to become more acceptance, more accepted of it because that's what their kids are doing.
1: So one of the interesting things that you've mentioned a couple of times is parental involvement and how this can end up being a family affair mm-hmm. where it's not just the kids riding. Um, and one of the things I think is interesting is it's one of the few sports that I can think of where as a kid, you can be at a competitive event, maybe not a Nike race, but an actual community race and your parents can be there racing right alongside you. Like, or as a parent, you know, your kid's in football. Well, you're just standing on the sideline cheering. Your kid gets into mountain biking. Well, when we saw you guys at the sunrise to sunset up in uh, Castle Rock here this last year, you know, you're, you're out there lining up for a lap right next to some high school kids. And then on the other side of you, there's guys in the, 60, the 50 to 60-year-old category single speed. Like it's, it's everybody out there racing the same course. Yep. Do you see that as like, do you see families engaging in that way too? like once their kids start racing
0: i i see families engaging not all might be necessarily interested in the racing aspect Mm -hmm. but as far as the the family activity um absolutely i think more more and more families would get pulled into it the racing um it's a lot of fun um yeah (laughs) Even though I'm not very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, you know, and I, I can see, uh, you know, more families as well, getting into the, some of the racing, mm-hmm. um, but definitely just as an activity, um, and, but also going to the races and, Hey, when the race is over, we're going to go do a family ride. Um, yeah. and I think that's, uh, that's part of it or, Hey, you know, when the, when the race is over, uh, you know, little Johnny, take us a lap around, around the course so we can see what you raised. Yeah. Um, and that kind of involvement. The one thing, the one challenge I think that poses families that don't necessarily get into the biking with, with their kids is unlike the football or, or the other sports where I can, you know, where you can sit there and watch, mm-hmm. watch practice, watch the game. Mountain biking is kind of hard. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we'll, you can't really watch. Unless we're
0: running laps around the parking lot like Josh. for. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a spectator sport. <laughs> it, it could
1: be. <laughs> it usually isn't.
0: But it generally isn't. Now, well, that's one thing that's cool about the races is you can go out on the course and, and the parents love that. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, generally, the practice, unless you become a coach... Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that I do try to, since I became involved in Highlanders, was hey, while the kid is practicing, why don't the parents go for a ride? Get the parents into riding. Right. Um, That type of thing.
1: Devious. Devious, indeed. indeed. (laughs) So, the one other, you mentioned the barrier of not potentially being able to really participate in the Mm. same way you could in an organized sport. The other one might be, and this is the elephant in the room, for all things related to cycling, money. What do you see? now or maybe in the future as possible alternatives or options for parents who hear about it see that it seems like a great sport want to get their kids into it and then guess what can't find eight thousand dollars sitting in the couch cushions to buy a bike to go head to head with another honestly rich kid who's got the this model year best bike off the line weighs 10 pounds less like what do you say to those kind of parents
0: So here's the other awesome thing about biking. It's not all about the equipment. Um, And I mean, even even the league, you you could ride any of those courses on a bike you picked up from Walmart. Mm -hmm. Would it be as much fun? (laughs) But if you're looking to get into it and find out if you really are interested, the neat thing about it is... You can do it on anything. Okay. Um, you don't have to spend the eight thousand dollars. I certainly don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and and as the interest grows and the obsession grows, <laughs> <laughs> let's call it um, what it is. There, <laughs> it, it becomes an obsession. I admit that. Um, there are ways to upgrade. You know, you you have. Friends, you have contacts, and you gradually can upgrade that type of thing. Um, but also, you know, we see kids winning races that aren't on the $8,000 bike.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, if you want to start being a, you know, as they become more and more competitive in years and get into, say, varsity, at that point, they're all high-level athletes. Yeah. There are going to be some advantages in equipment. But as getting into it, freshmen, sophomores, even some juniors, it's going to be less about the bike and more about training, I think, and ability. And there's some natural ability that comes with it, too. Yeah. Hannah is natural. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to call that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know i I encourage you know price price is a challenge, but even getting into the league, you know there are scholarships available um, you know um, kids on bikes has programs to try to help uh, get uh, bikes available to those that may not have the means um mm. But again, you know, for those that want to say, "Well, I can't get into it because I can't buy an eight thousand dollar bike." Well, I I got news for you: I can't buy an eight thousand dollar (laughs) bike. Yeah, I can't Um, either. And I'm having a ball, (laughs) so it's possible. That's good. I don't know. Does that sort of answer? It does. And I think the
1: counterpoint. You know, I sort of was bringing that up just to hear your take on it, Um, because obviously the counterpoint to that is, you know, I know people personally uh, in friends and family circles who were competitive at a collegiate level in Mm. soccer and when they were kids and that, you know, even 15 years ago meant an extraordinary outlay of money to be on the traveling team that was going to the tournaments all over the region, flying everywhere, buses everywhere, hotels all over the place to try to go through a competitive season. So it wasn't like that was cheap either. right? Like everybody that wants to say, ah, you just get a soccer ball and a pair of shoes and you're done. No, you're not. Not if you want to be competing at a high level. And in that sense, maybe things kind of even out a little.
0: I think that's the, the big misnomer is a lot of people, they will say, well, to compete, is so expensive. biking's so expensive. Well, to your point, I mean, my, I, I have um, friends, kids play competitive sports and they're spending five, eight, $10,000 a year for that kid to play that competitive sport. Yeah. Um Yeah, biking's also expensive if you're going to play competitively at that high level. But as with soccer, at the level I played, I needed a ball and shoes. Oh, and shin guards.
1: Yeah, yeah, shin guards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't think you
1: need those until after the first game and then you realize you do. Yeah.
0: Um, but that was about it. yeah <laughs> I wasn't traveling, I, you know, um and the and the same way with biking, you can enjoy biking on a budget
1: and that is absolutely true full disclosure friend of mine guy named david that i know uh rode the apex this year on a i'm pretty sure it was actually a walmart bike it may not have been purchased from a walmart but it was that grade (laughs) that thing had to be like 15 years old and i mean he's he's a guy you know he's an adult he's got a job he's got a wife he's got a kid he just wasn't going to spend money on a bike that thing couldn't have been worth eight dollars in a waffle and he got through three stages of the pikes peak apex this year beating another friend of mine by over an hour after the third day and the other guy's on a yeti like a high dollar yeti this guy was over an hour ahead of him until the bike was so broken after the third day that he couldn't ride it he literally took it to a shop and said i need to be back on course tomorrow and they said you aren't on this bike so he had he had to rent a revel which he said was amazing, and the last day was really fun. But the right. point stands that he had gone out there and just crushed it on a bike that was probably worth less than most other people's helmets.
0: It's possible, and that's and that's a good point to be made to to people. You, it's it's not all about the equipment. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you won't have more fun on. There, yeah, but well, and it's
1: not all about the racing. Either. And then some of what you guys are doing is just creating a lifelong love of cycling in the outdoors in these kids. Correct? Exactly.
0: Yep. And that's really the goal. Um is it's a it's a lifelong activity. They graduate high school. You know, the most important thing to me is that they keep riding their bike and that they like riding their bike. If they want to take it to another level and compete, that's great. But just keep riding your bike. Enjoy
3: yeah
2: the
0: exploration and enjoy the self challenges that come with it the uh, the mental clarity that comes with it
2: <laughs> you named a few things there you know the, the challenge and the clarity what what other benefits do you feel learning about cycling and diving into it and as a,
0: as a youngster <laughs> uh, benefits you long term so i think is part of it's just general health stay in motion um one of the, and I mean, for me, <laughs> I used to have constant knee pain mm. prior to getting into cycling. Now, every now and then I have knee pain, but that's usually from an impact. <laughs> I was going to say, it's because <laughs> you fall over. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, since, since being involved in the, in the cycling, um, I don't have the knee pain anymore, you know, because I've, I've strengthened that joint. Mm-hmm. I think and I've worked it and and lost weight um but also some dietary changes and things like that but it just overall encouraged a much healthier lifestyle as well mm-hmm. um and then some of the I think the other life lessons that come that can come out of it is um picking yourself up after after a crash after a after a disappointing um attempt at a at a obstacle or something you, Just because you didn't crash doesn't mean it wasn't disappointing. It was like, oh man, I just can't make it. And then the 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 resilience to try to keep to keep at it until you do. Um, uh, The the setting the goals, you know those those that come with at least for me for the cycling. Again, those are those are life life lessons. Set the goals, and you just keep hammering at it till you can get them. Um, So I think that's some of You know what i get out of the the cycling and then of course the mental the mental aspect um when i'm exploring single track that's the only time that i'm not thinking about everything else Hmm. because my mind is always always going yeah um and so the cycling that is a bit of a, a cleansing for me um partially because it has to be, or you're going to hit a tree. Uh, you, you, you gotta be there.
1: <laughs> yeah. You gotta be pretty present. Uh, that's true.
0: Um, so for me, it's, it's the, you know, the mental therapy, the stress management, um, and then just the enjoyment of being out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nature therapy. That's, that's, a, that's always been a big part for me is just being outdoors and, and, uh, that nature therapy. Exactly. So to, Oh,
2: well, I, I've heard that you have taken that opportunity in a lot of other areas now, as you've done some traveling with the family. I've heard that you are prone to finding a bike wherever possible and, and exploring your new locale.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, not only do a lot of our trips revolve around, you know, when we go places, revolve around bikes, But even if the trip wasn't bike-related, there's a bike involved.
1: (laughs) So hold on, though. There's a lot of laughter happening over here. And Josh has a crazy look on his face because he probably knows a story or two that he's been tipped off to. So has this ended poorly? Like, do we have some stories of, like, terrible city rental bikes ending up in a creek or something?
0: No, nothing like that. Um, Several years ago, and this is probably what Josh is probably alluding to, (laughs) um, we went to Hawaii. Okay. I am not a water guy. I am not a beach guy. From Colorado, I'm from yeah. Colorado. So, while well, Jen and the girls went to the beach. <laughs> I went mountain biking, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so and and they would they came a couple times with me. Okay, but I went every day. Some days by myself, <laughs> uh, and, and I'd come back and let them know, "Hey, I'm back," and then sit on the beach for. About as long as I could take it, you know, 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Time to uh, go. <laughs> so so there's that. Um let's see. A family vacation right family, there. Family yeah, family, family vacation. vacation. <laughs> um but yeah, usually we're when when we're going places, the first thing I try to do is find where where can I rent a bike and where can I ride.
1: What is the worst bike that you've like we've you ever had just like a oh, falling apart dilapidated?
0: It wasn't falling apart. Um last last year we went to uh Nantucket. Okay. Rented some bikes for the week. And i bring these bikes out and uh, they're old hardtails. Probably still nicer than the one that I started on, you know, back in the nineties. Oh, yeah, sure, but, that's fine. Uh and things I mean the guy just brought it out, so you know, basically, here you go. And I'm looking at it like the seat's not adjusted. That one's the wrong size, it wasn't what I asked for, uh, you know so there are no tools to fix it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys,, You know, this is customer service. Um, <laughs> so I think those are probably the the worst ones that we had had, and they they were questionable.
1: Have you also taken this opportunity to ride some dream bikes that you wouldn't get a hold of otherwise?
0: I haven't um. Partly because I've also been sort of cheap when we travel. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And renting a bike nicer than mine, while may not be hard. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it does run into uh, some money. You know, it gets a little expensive. And, and you know, so I haven't, haven't really gotten spoiled like that. I don't, I'm not going to. I try not to slum it. Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> have been some of your favorite places that you've ridden? Um there in maui that was pretty fun um that there was you know it wasn't a very big area but it was a ton of fun it was just a little short basically just do laps Mm -hmm. um i didn't do a century sorry josh but uh (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) um but that was kind of fun um i really enjoy um sedona flagstaff area those trails are fun and uh Certain trails in Moab are fun. Certain trails I'm kind of done with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is
0: this like rolling your rock cra- crawler done with? Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, For example, I don't enjoy slick rock. Oh, yeah. But I've, I've yeah. done it a few times, I don't know, three or four times. And each time I've been better at it. And the last time I rode you know, pretty, just fine. No crashes. Didn't have to walk out. Um, I was like, you know, it's just not, it's not the type of riding that I enjoy. Yeah. You have to enjoy a certain amount of abuse for that trail. You do.
2: Or I th- sprints. I think
0: at my age, the abuse is becoming less enjoyable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's, that's actually a great, <laughs> That's a great jumping-off point to ask one of the questions that I wanted to put in front of you. Um, As a father of girls who are now getting older, we're not going to age you necessarily, (laughs) but we're going to just paint that picture for the folks at home. Um, Stepping into the cycling game a little later, what is top of mind for you now as you look at riding over the next 10 or 20 years of your life? Is it nutrition? Is it a difference in training? Is it like what's going to keep you on the bike?
0: Um, so when I say training, it's more of keeping the fitness level up. Mm Um, I probably am done with, oh, racing. I know, I know again, (laughs) you know, my girls roll their eyes when I say that I raced. Um, (laughs) I participated. (laughs) There you go. I'm probably done with, with the racing aspect. I mean, this year, um, my goal was to participate in. Not, you know, as I said, participate mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> in, got that. in, uh, several, uh, 50 Ks. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he said, you know, you, you tried to avoid sidestepping my age. Um, <laughs> I turned 50 this year. Okay. My goal was to do several 50 Ks. Yeah. That was kind of, and I did that. Um, and so going forward, my goal is to be able to still keep the fitness level up. Where I can go because I really enjoy the 25, 35 mile rides. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's those are the ones that I really enjoy. You know, when you just get out and explore, um, and you cover some miles, get some elevation in there. You know, not not ten thousand feet, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Excuse me. I'm not sure I'll ever be in that fitness. Um, but never you know, say a never. Nice, a, a nice ride. I mean, for me, one of the things that was nice was the, the Hundido this year was fun. To be able to go and do that ride, meet my goals, and have fun, that's, that's the fitness level I want to keep up from a training, yeah. from a nutrition standpoint. Um, I'm not in it for the standpoint of I've, I've got to get on the trainer to... It'll from that aspect of training, mm. but I want to. I want to stay active. I want to stay um, fit and enjoy those those longer rides. And I and I look at my dad who's approaching eighty and still out and about. Mm. And um, you know that's a little bit of a you know a goal there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely, <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of that could sort of answer your question. Yeah. I do have a tendency to. S-
1: no, no, you're good.
0: <laughs> to wander. <laughs> well, we have to touch on your uh, your best day, worst day, on a bike. <laughs> yeah, if
1: you've listened to the to the show, you know this so, is coming.
0: I knew this was coming. All right. So, um, my worst day. We'll, we'll go back to Hundido. <laughs> <laughs> the very first time I did a Hundido was four four years ago.
1: Okay, and where was this?
0: This was in, in Bailey. This is the one in Bailey. This the one in Bailey. And at that point, it was 50 miles. And Hannah said, I want to do the Andito. I'm like, sweet. I'll do it with you. Um,
1: did you know what you were saying yes to?
0: I did. <laughs> and I, thought, I rode 35 miles once. <laughs> How felt, bad yeah. could it be? I felt fine at the end of that. Yeah. Exactly. How bad could it be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> How so? <laughs> it was, it was, tr- I was, I was cramping before, you know, probably like mile 12. Oh. Um, then by the time you get to, so Jen was going to meet me at the top. Uh, for those of you, Jen's my wife. Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. She was going to meet me at the top of nice kitty at that age station, you know, just to cheer me on. And and for most of this, Hannah was riding. She was kind of riding with me, saying, "Yeah, I'll, I'll ride with you." You know, cheering you on. Bonding. This is fun. Um, and of course, after the second age station, um, going down Sandy Wash, you know, she dropped me um
1: never to be seen again
0: well i saw her at the bottom of nice kitty Mm because she was waiting for me so (laughs) so thoughtful so thoughtful Um, and as it turned out jen ended up being there to wait for me Mm -hmm. and there's some significance to this i'll get to in a moment um and i was i wasn't doing well
1: how many miles in are we at this point we're
0: only only 30 20 more to go
1: yeah yeah you're over halfway
0: how bad downhill from there yeah, yeah. <laughs> after a couple uphills um so we get into nice kitty and i get to the first you cross the bridge you can do that first left turn and i cramped up so badly i almost fell off the bike <laughs> and i like, oh crap and, and hannah very thoughtful dad are you all right yeah i'm fine just go <laughs> <laughs> just leave just me go. for dead leave me have fun enjoy the rest of your ride yeah and you know, I could tell she was very distraught. She said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> really broken up about it. Yeah. And that was the last I saw of her. So I end up just in miserable cramping pains in my leg. I had, I had never experienced that type of pain and cramps before where you try to stretch it out and then the other side will cramp or the yep. other leg. and And... <laughs> And at one point my my left leg actually locked up. I couldn't bend it. And I'm I'm pounding the back of my knee trying to get my leg to bend. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like, Oh, this is this is terrible. And I and I didn't really know what to do. I'd never experienced it before. Um and I at, at one point, I actually came across uh, a guy that was in, doing worse than I was, believe it or not, on the side of the trail. And you know, he's so got a his corpse. Head, yeah, pretty <laughs> close. He's got it, and I'm like, you know, dude, are you okay? And, and he's just, I'm just questioning my life's decisions. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and and I ended up, you know, continuing to limp on. Mm-hmm. And Eventually, I got to the top, and um. Had Jen met me there, I probably would have quit. Mm. I, was, I was done. Like yeah. I, I can't do 20 more miles of this. I mean, I could barely walk most of my nice kitty at that point. But after 30 minutes of stretching and electrolytes, and <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I know I can go downhill. And I had pre-ridden... Most of the course, so I knew what to expect for the next. Where the next one is like, it's mostly downhill. Yeah. The last aid station. Sorry, Josh. Uh, last aid station. If I can't go from there, then I'll just quit there. But I don't want to miss that fun little downhill. So I got to the last aid station, and they said, "It's only like nine more miles. It's downhill most of the west away." <laughs> like, oh, I made it this far. I'm not quitting now. Right that mostly downhill they lied <laughs> i don't oh. know if you've ridden that but you have like seven miles of a dirt road just demoralizing climb
2: our, our last
0: interview uh, the, the phrase was coined downhill to the top
1: yeah it's yeah. downhill to the top
0: <laughs> and so eventually i came across the finish line and everybody had been waiting hours for me it took me seven hours They say I was pretty kind of almost delirious. You know, I almost fell off my bike when I I crossed. And and then at one point I was like, Where's my bike? And they're like, You're (laughs) leaning on it. Uh, and, and coach Paul came up, you know, cause he had, he had been done for like four hours and, <laughs> and he was like, so how was it? And I'm like, that was horrible. And he says, you can do it again next year. I said, Oh, Oh he- hell no. Yeah, No. Um,
1: did you do it next year? I did. Yep. Um, and, and,
0: and Hannah comes bounding up. I'm like, well, how, how was it? Oh, that was so much fun. I'm doing it again next year. <laughs> and, and so after about a week, I thought well, I can't let that be my only memory.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh
0: no. I know what I can do different because part of that's what makes me tick is I can always do better. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that was my first, that was my, my worst day. And I'd say, you know, you talk about your type two fun where you look back and mm-hmm. it was actually fun after the fact. This was not ever fun. Type three. Yep. The, I don't look back on it and say it was fun. I look back on it and say it was a little bit, I'd say pivotal.
1: See, you my, learned something. It's still worthwhile. It
0: was, it was very worthwhile, and I was sort of pivotable, pivotable into my obsession uh, of getting better because I can do it and I can do better. Mm-hmm. So
1: this this was the growler for me the first year I tried it, you know, and that's a scant thirty two miles, and that took me six and a half hours. So you were doing better than me. I think <laughs> time the growler is harder. I don't know. I was delirious too. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, best day, just about every day on the bike. I mean, my favorite days are just having, just getting out and just having a a good ride is just, if I'm on the bike, it's not a bad day. Yeah. Even, even if it results in a dislocated thumb, it still wasn't a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Never a bad day to ride. (laughs) There, there really isn't. Really? Yeah. Um, and, and then of course. You know, the, what takes it up a notch is when you're writing with the, with the kids and a, you know, a certain kid accomplishes something and you just, that sharing that joy with them, that sense of accomplishment, I think it's, well, takes it a next step for me.
1: Yeah. And on that note, you've got a mic in front of you. What would you say to prospective parents out there who might be listening? If you've got a chance to get somebody involved, what's your pitch?
0: Oh man. It's so fun, and getting involved, um, even you know it it takes on a little bit more meaning if you've got a kid already you know that's involved as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you don't, get involved and help um, the satisfaction the 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 feeling that comes from really helping get somebody into a a lifelong sport um and and helping somebody succeed Mm -hmm. um in in one of their goals um i think that's just it's i don't know i am an engineer i'm not a man of words um (laughs) it's just neat (laughs) (laughs) you're doing great doing great yeah that's all we need so if Um,
1: somebody were to get involved in say front rangers mm -hmm. uh how do they do that
0: so to get involved, you look us up. Um, you, <laughs> you, Where do we you, find you? We're at uh, frontrangers.org um, and there's a contact us and you just, you know, if you've got a kid that's interested um, or you want to be interested in just joining as a coach, um, helping us ride leads, um, come in with your family, wants to look for a group to ride with. Um, it's just, that, that's a good starting point. Um, Same way with Highlanders. Um, Reach out to me. um, Also through Front Rangers, because we are under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're always looking for coaches like Josh that, that just love to... Participate and help kids uh, and yourself, Jason, with front rangers. Yep. Uh, make mm-hmm. sure I get that little plug there. You go. Attitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, You know, you don't have to have a kid on the team to participate. Um, you do have to have a little bit of a of a commitment to help with the with the kids. But having that mix of um, folks that don't have kids on the team as well as parents, and it's parents. That's that's mother or father or, and, or, right. um, it's and not or, yeah. only dads that, that participate. We get moms out there too. And that, and I think that's, what's great, um, as well as, you know, examples for the other girls and the daughters on the teams, um, is to have the moms involved as well. It's not just a dad sport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we're looking for another, uh, female coach for Highlanders.
1: Anyone listening. Yeah. Any <laughs> ladies listening
0: out there. Ladies, yeah. We, yeah. We, we could really help, uh, really could use another uh, uh, female coach to help with uh, bringing more um, girls into the team.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, we'll have all those links in the show notes as well. Uh, so okay. if anybody's out there listening, just go ahead and take a look at the notes for this episode and you'll be able to find those links in there.
2: Yeah. Well, before we close out here, do you, do you have any questions for us to throw in there?
0: So what made you guys decide to start the Supa podcast? That is a great question. (laughs) I'm sure it's already been asked, but I haven't heard it. Yeah. I'm not sure we have an answer. (laughs) Of course we do. Uh,
2: Yeah. It was kind of a brainchild over the last uh, really a couple of years, slowly developing. And I I guess this time last year, we started to put some words to it. Like, oh, what what can we start doing? You know? was passionate about cycling in the community. And Jason has a great media background. I have bit more, some cycling background to throw in there <laughs> and, uh, some connections to the community. And it was just kind of something that developed organically through that. I never thought I'd be on a podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that we realized is there are many different small silos in the cycling community here in the Springs. And, you know, broadly cycling can be pretty regional. Where you know you ride your own trails and you get to know your own people, yeah, we might meet each other at big events or you might travel. But overall, we thought we saw a spot where we could help tell some stories behind the faces of people you might meet on the trail, or see at the bike shop, or Mm -hmm. see on race day, and help connect some of that community uh, a little more tightly. Because there are, you know, whether it's you're on the gravel end of things or the road end, or you're just in it for the tries, or you're just out there doing your downhill laps with your enduro bros or lady shredders whatever you know it's a big community and it's only getting bigger especially here in the springs and while it's great to see each other on strava or instagram or whatever that's not a real great place to tell some of the deeper stories of what brings people into cycling what keeps them there and what are you know the amazing life lessons and connections that can come out of a sport that we truly love
0: well said yes well, I, I think the, you know, as I've listened to all of your, your interviews, your casts, um, I think you guys are really, the variety of the people that you're bringing in is just, is, is fantastic and it reaches all the, all the different aspects of it. It's not, like we said, it's not just the pros or the, um, you know, the hardcore. It's also, you know, there are people like me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: thank you and yeah like that's part of it that's part of the story we want to tell too you know it it isn't just about uh the ladies and the guys that are out there getting sponsorships and getting somebody's name on their back we've honestly had some of the the most consistent feedback we've had on the show the people that say they love an episode is actually the second one we or third one we did with uh brett fugate friend of ours i had just picked up cycling at the age of 38 i think pretty much literally just ran into him the other day out of my gravel bike ran him out on the trail and it was really fun, you know, cause, cause he's just out there enjoying it. It doesn't have to be about KOMs on Strava or, you know, putting in 5,000 miles this year and crushing it and all the goals that sometimes we can get wrapped up in just having fun.
0: I have one more question for each of you. Oh yeah. Oh boy. So Josh, why do you keep coming back to Highlanders? What, why do you, and I don't mean this as like, not man, to be the head coach. That? No, <laughs> what, what drives you? What, why do you participate? Another great question. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, I, I have had the, the privilege of uh, being poured into by a lot of different people, including Jason. Jason was a major player in, in getting me started in cycling. And I'm incredibly grateful for those key figures in my life that Saw this young punk just goofing off in the world and saying, like, hey, how about we focus some of the energy somewhere? Let's see what happens. (laughs) And just the willingness to spend that time communicated so much to me. And whether or not it led to me, you know, getting really passionate about biking, or just learning some life lessons, or just getting to spend some time with someone who cares about me, that was really impactful. And it's even more meaningful now for me to turn around and be able to do that for others in whatever way I can. And hopefully I'm not corrupting them too much by <laughs> trying to share little tidbits of things that I've learned or trying to encourage them in various ways. Just, uh, I think it's very, very beneficial to have people who've, who've been through a couple of the things that you're in the midst of to, to pour back. It's been fun that too super fun (laughs) and these kids really push me
0: all the time
1: because they're ridiculously fast yes
0: yes they are (laughs) (laughs) i hope we get some slow freshmen this next year somebody to ride with yeah Yeah. Um, so, Jason, say, yeah. same similar question to you. Uh-huh. Um, this was your first year getting involved with Front Rangers. Mm-hmm. We were able to kind of pull you in <laughs> yeah. right at the end. Right at the end there. Um, so what drove you to, to going ahead and, and coming in and, and I'm hoping come back?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, the hope is to come back. I obviously, I was not terribly involved this year due to an injury and the fact that I decommissioned two bikes in two weeks on Front Rangers rides, which is non, that's, that's atypical for those who are out there. Um, if you're wondering what the heck are these kids doing out there? It's no, I was just hot dogging. So that's what happens. Um, one of the things that I'm excited about when I, cause I am fairly new to youth cycling, like as an organized endeavor, Um, I've got a long history in both, like Josh said, being poured into, and then sharing the sport of mountain biking with others. I love the technical aspect of coaching and helping people get over individual obstacles and watch them process out what it means in their own life to have, you know, you take the lessons you learn on the trail of how to stick with it, how to fight over a thing, how to get through something that you don't believe you can do. And then you feel that euphoria on the other side when you get it and you know, you can do that again and realize that that's something you can apply to the rest of your life. And I'm excited to be able to have a chance to be a part of that opportunity for these kids. But the other thing that really makes me excited about what I see, what I want to get involved in is the chance to help establish a, a sort of an ethos and a culture in these kids of how to ride courteously, safely, and responsibly in a way that's going to help the future of cycling. This is something that I'm pretty passionate about. Anybody who's listened to the show will have heard there is nothing that infuriates me more than seeing riders on the trails that have no regard to other trail users, that are being rude, that are being entitled, that don't understand how to value the natural world and they don't know how to share. <laughs> Cuz honestly, let's be like let's be honest, the riding culture in the springs has changed a lot in the last few years and there are many people who came to it with a pretty bad attitude. It's not all of us, but it doesn't take many. And what I've seen in the kids and even in the few times that I've been on, on trail with the kids that have come out of front rangers and some of the other teams around town, uh, whether that is on race day in practice or just running into them on the trail, I see people that I want in the woods as they grow older. Like they understand what it takes to keep the sport alive and healthy. And that makes me pretty excited.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome.
2: Thank you for those questions and <laughs> yeah. for answering a few of ours. Yeah. Uh, it's been <laughs> really fun to have you on here and uh, you know i look forward to to more adventures to come indeed um, do you have any any profound
0: closing thoughts of wisdom to share or? it is possible to ride with a cast but, <laughs> but not recommended <laughs> fair enough fair enough
1: <laughs> there you go ladies um, and gentlemen some more non-medically advisable tips from Supa.
0: <laughs> um, no but the, the big thing is just ride and have fun <laughs>
1: I like it. Eric, thanks so much for being with us.
0: Thank you. It's been so much fun. All right.
1: (laughs) If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.